Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to The Big Picture. I'm Larry Ragland, your host, and today we're going to talk about a subject that has been God has been putting on my heart to deal with for a while now, and I've been talking about it a lot, and that is that God is bringing all things full circle. You'll understand what that means in just a minute. Well, praise the Lord. As you can see, the graphic coming up on the screen there, if you listen to us on podcast, I want to talk to you about God is bringing all things full circle, full circle, meaning all the way back around where it began. And I'm going to suggest to you even greater than it began. There is no way in this world that I believe that God is going to take the last church up to be with him and it'd be the weakest, most anemic quite frankly, pathetic example of the church that we've seen certainly in generations. I don't believe that's going to be God's will. In fact, I'm going to say something that's going to be shocking to you. I believe the last is going to be greater than the first because I believe we're going to do more globally with a remnant than what we have done uh, corporately for many, many years. Now, now you understand I'm fully aware that of the, of the first church, of the early church, the persecution and the things that they went through to be the church. I'm not comparing us to them, but I will tell you this, that if you want to go full circle on the church, you go back to Acts chapter 2. I believe that God is, there's no way God is going to let the last church not have the gifts of the Spirit that the first church had. They're not, they're not going to let the last church not see any miracles when the first church saw miracles every day, everywhere they went. Miracles, signs, and wonders, the Bible said, followed them. They didn't follow signs and wonders. We now have a generation of people who follow signs, but back then, signs followed them. Signs shall follow them that believe, is what God's Word said. So that being said, I believe God's going to take us back to Acts chapter 2, but also believe he's going to take us back even further than that. I believe he's taking us back all the way to the garden. I believe that when God said in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let us give them dominion, that I believe that there's no way that God will give the first man dominion, and then the last men and women of God are going to have no dominion. It seems like that's what's happening. It seems like every time we turn around, we're releasing more of our dominion. We are, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, regarding that last generation, they've worshiped the creation more than the creator. And I tell you right now, people will, they'll believe in saving uh, an egg uh, of an eagle. They'll fight, they'll put their, they'll risk their life uh, in their fortune to save the, the egg of an eagle, which I am all about saving an eagle. I love eagles, okay? But yet those same people will fight for the right to take the life of an unborn child. You know, they want to say that life on Mars if we find bacteria, there's life. That's proof of life. Bacteria. You hear what I'm saying? Bacteria is proof of life on Mars, but a growing human being that can be felt and seen on sonar with all the body features that we have is not a life. And, you know, you take it all the way back to even at the point of conception. You want to tell me that bacteria is a sign of life, but the fertilization of an egg is not the t- sign of life. It's just, 
people have their minds all screwed up, okay? But what I'm trying to tell you is this. No matter what the condition of the world is, God's got a church. God's got a remnant. And he's taking that church and that remnant full circle. Let me read to you what Isaiah chapter 46 says. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Now listen to this part. This is the key. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Can I tell you something right now? He declares the end from the beginning. He is the alpha and the omega at the same time. He's not the alpha and he will be omega. He is the alpha and the omega at the same time. He is the one that was and is and is to come. Some people think he is the one that was and maybe is and he will be the one to come. No, he is the one that was and is and is to come all at the same time. All right. Our God does not exist. Our God is existence. He doesn't predict the future. He is the future. Are you getting what I'm saying? Our God is all knowing. Let me blow your mind even further. The Bible says uh, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, from the foundation of the world, not the lamb slain from Jerusalem when he was 33 years old. No, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That means that when God said, let there be light, and there was light, he spoke to nothing, and nothing became something, and creation began long before man was even created, before all the animals were created, all this kind of stuff. God said, let there be light. But if you understand Scripture says that he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that means that at that point, he's such, he's so all-knowing, he's the alpha and the omega, that at the alpha moment of our existence, at the alpha moment of even the existence of our galaxy and all the other galaxies, he said, I'll go and I'll die. I'll, I'll become flesh. I'll walk among them. I'll suffer. I'll be beaten. I'll be crucified. And I will shed my blood as the Lamb of God, and I will take away the sins of the world. Wow. It blows my mind when you think about it. That's the illustration of the Alpha and the Omega. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. These are the promises of God that our God is all-knowing. So watch this. He, if he's the Alpha and the Omega, he don't time travel, okay? God, our God is not a time-traveling God. God doesn't operate by the concept of time. There is no time in God. He is eternal. He's always been. He always will be. So he knows exactly the timeline of your life. The Bible says he even has the hairs on your head numbered. Now, some of you, it's a little easier to number those hairs than others. Lemonade. <laughs> I thought I'd just take a drink while you say la moment that moment. Some of y'all's angels can count the hairs on your head in just like record time. <sighs> I ain't got much room to talk. My hair is getting thinner and thinner as we go. But what I'm trying to say is the fact that it says that he has our hairs numbered means that he knows everything about us. He knows not only the beginning of our life, our alpha moment when when we came into this world, 
He knows our omega moment when we're going to leave this world. But he also knows every alpha moment and every omega moment of every season that we go through. Now, do you understand that every season has a beginning and an end? So every season has an alpha and an omega. We all know the alpha, or at the very least, once we get into the race, once we get into the struggle, we can usually look back and have a pretty good idea of where the alpha was of that situation, of what, what, where, what kind of decision we made, what kind of turn we, we turned that brought us down into that uh, situation. But none of us know the Omega. We can think that we think we know the Omega. We can think that we want to force the Omega, but we don't know necessarily the Omega of anything in our life. And I like to say it this way. We may not know our Omega, but we know the Omega. And the fact that we know the Omega means we don't really need to know our Omega. We just need to trust the Omega until we get to our omega of the season. Now, that being said, I have experienced this, and I'm sure you have too as a child of God, where you realize that you have, you're have you in a season, you're learning, you're being taught things in that season, and you can sense that you're about to come out of that season. You can almost taste your miracle. You can almost believe that you're just like in the spirit realm, one more step and you're to the finish line, and something will happen to cause you to take a few steps back. Sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's just simply stupid decisions that we allow ourselves to make at the last moment. But sometimes it's God rolling things back. Maybe mentally just taking us back to the beginning of where we used to be. Now, I'm going to say it this way. I'm not where I need to be fully, but I'm certainly not where I used to be. I'm not the man that I could be fully, but I'm certainly not the man that I used to be. So when I look back and I realize, when I allow God to take my mind back and roll my mind back to the man that I used to be, I am so thankful. I am so thankful. I'm thankful that uh, I'm not that man anymore. And I'm glad that the Bible says that man dies at the point of repentance and of the born-again experience. He's dead. That man is dead. Dead, 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 okay? So you you can try to resurrect him all you want to. You can try to remind me of how I used to be and all this, and my memories are still there. I remember how stupid I was, okay? But you can't put you can't make me feel guilty. You can't bring condemnation on me because maybe that man still exists in your memory and even in my memory, but he doesn't exist in heaven. The Bible says he takes our sins and casts it as far as the east is from the west. Do you understand the East and the West never meet? They just keep going. They never meet. In other words, they're never reminded of you to you again. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that the God that I serve declares the end from the beginning. And I'm good with that. Now, when we speak to the remnant church, the remnant leaders, and if you're watching this podcast or are watching this YouTube channel and listening to this podcast, more than likely you consider yourself to be a part of the remnant church and the remnant church is small the very the very concept of the word remnant it means small it means what is cut away it means what was left over after the purge after the cutting after the the patterns 
for so long, there's just been these patterns of church. They've just been these growth seminars where you go to them and, and then thousands of people get a pamphlet and get a, get a workbook and you just work through this workbook and everybody thinks they just go back to their church. All these pastors go back to their church and just duplicate what this great successful church did and they're going to grow. Well, you know what? For some people that might have worked, but most people didn't work because you realize, number one, you don't have the resources. Number two, you don't have the culture of that house. Number three, uh, you know, every church is different. Every visionary is different. It flows down from the visionary, the man of God that's in charge and uh, that God put there and said in that place, I should say. So all that being said, maybe, maybe that's why we need to be taking full circle back to the beginning of the church. The remnant church needs to be taken full circle back to Acts chapter 2 because there was no growth seminars in the upper room. There was there was no three points in a poem. There was no, uh, I don't mean this to be detrimental, okay? There was no um, sermon series about uh, culture, about movies. There was, you know, nothing. I mean, there's, there's nothing. I'm not being critical. I know a lot of churches do things like that, and I've done things like that as a pastor. But, at some point, we're going to have to we're going to have to open up our eyes and realize that some of the things that we thought we needed to do to grow the church, to truly grow the church, has not only not worked; it's it's actually worked in the opposite direction. We saw that when all this hit the last two and a half years, we saw how strong the Christians were. We saw how committed they really were. You know, as long as everything was just warm and fuzzy and eating popcorn and eating drinking cokes and all that in the sanctuary and you know, having a 20 minute sermon and, you know, not really any kind of meat there and, and nothing to nothing about sin, nothing about, uh, the issues of our culture that we live in today. And no, nothing was political and nothing, blah, 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 fill in the blank. Uh, oh, we packed them out. But the first sign of fear, the first sign of control, so many people just lined up, they just lined up and they just bought in to what, what the world said, the world system. The early church would have never done that. In fact, the early church did the opposite. They they stood against the authority that was trying to shut them down, to try to tell them to be quiet. They were killed. They were martyred. They were dipped in tar and set on fire. They were chopped to pieces. They were crucified. They were beheaded. They were boiled to death. I could go on and on and on. You know, we think we're suffering because, you know, we don't, get to read our Bible app at work when we want to. We don't know suffering. They knew suffering. But not only did they know suffering, they knew power. They knew power. The early church knew power. Remember what Paul said? It's so powerful. We are so quick to say that we want to walk in the power of the resurrection. Paul said, I want to know the power of your resurrection. But then he said, and the fellowship of your suffering. He realizes, he realized there is no resurrection without a death. There, there is no healing without a wound. We got to go through some things uh, to steal our, our desire and our will to be the body of Christ. But I want to say to you that, you know, I think, I think we're going to go back in a different full circle to the early church in a lot of ways. We're going to go back and we're going to see that remnant church operate in a power that we've not seen them operate in in a long time. But I also want you to know, and you ain't going to know how to handle this, that God's going to take us full circle in the sense of persecution. You know, when Jesus said, <clears throat> excuse me, that we would suffer for his namesake, when he said that many would be brought up before judges, remember that? 
Jesus said that. It's in, your, it's in red letters in your Bible that you would be brought up before governors and judges and, and you would be condemned to die for your faith. I believe we're probably not too far from that. There's going to be people that are arrested for taking a stand for life, for liberty, for the freedom of speech, but more than anything for standing for biblical moral values. Where are the preachers that are not afraid to stand for the biblical moral values of marriage, of family, of children? Do you realize right now uh, you can be labeled and flagged for standing up against anyone that is trying to um, affect your kindergarten, preschool, and elementary kids when it comes to subjects such as sexuality, gender, and so forth. I don't know if, if this is, will make it onto, the, onto air or not, but somebody's got to say it. You know, we would have never dreamed that years ago. Where's the church? You want to tell me that there's nobody in that? There's no children in those classrooms who's, who go to church, whose parents go to church, serve in the church? Where, where are the voices? We've bought in. We bought in hook, line, and sinker. It would be like the early church, the Acts chapter 2 church, just saying, you know what? You're right. You're right, Roman Empire. You're right. You're right. You're right. We'll be quiet, okay? We'll just stay inside the upper room where it all happened, and we'll have our church experience here. And we won't come out and say anything against anybody else. That's ridiculous. Do you, do you realize they were in the upper room for six hours? That was it. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time. That's a long church service. But still, the very first outpouring of the Holy Ghost, in that time period, they were dancing, they were shouting, they were rejoicing, they were praising God. They were also getting a sermon from Peter. They were getting equipped. And in just a matter of hours, in a matter of hours, they were on the streets preaching the gospel. The same gospel that had that got Jesus crucified, and the devil thought he had shut the voice up. All it did was empower the early church to speak even more boldly. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Peter, who had denied Christ just a few weeks earlier, cursed him and denied him and made eye contact with Jesus at the point that he was cursing him, stood up and said, uh, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. And then when he left that upper room and just a few hours later, he met the man at the gate called Beautiful, and he said, and the guy's checking a, a cup there, give me, give me some money so I can get me a shot. Give me some money so I can get me a shot. Mm, watch out now. I could preach right there so I can get me a shot, a jab. What? No, move it on, Larry. He said, let me tell you something right now. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And he reached down with his hand and pulled him up in the name of Jesus. And he, the man went leaping. He was lame. He was lame. He was paralyzed from his mother's womb. But he went leaping and jumping into the temple of God. Thousands were added to the church. Do you see anything like that happening in the modern church? Do you see that kind of power operating in the modern church? The man that denied Christ, the Bible says a few weeks later, months later, certainly, so many people wanted him to pray for them. He couldn't get to them. But the Bible said he was so anointed when he walked the streets that his shadow healed the sick. His shadow healed the sick. His shadow healed the sick. Did you hear me? If someone was laying there sick and halt and maim, 
not even being able to open their eyes, not even be able to move. The man of God was so anointed that when he was walking through praying and the shadow that was cast by the light shining on the body of Peter was so anointed that the actual shadow would brush across them, the Bible said, and they would be, they would be healed. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think God is going to let the last church not at the, at the very least, not be as anointed as that, I believe going to be even more anointed than that. There's no way you're going to make me believe that the, de- that the dead are not going to be raised, that the blinded eyes are not going to open. You know, how, you know how you can't make me believe that? Because it's already happening. It's just not happening on the scale that it's about to happen. I was, I've been present. I've seen people. I've, I've verified absolute miracles of people that were deaf their entire life in both ears, be able to hear, blind in both eyes, be able to see. I've witnessed these things. I've witnessed them in other countries, but I believe we're going to witness them in our own country. I believe God's going to take us full circle. I believe God is going to take us back to Acts chapter 2. But I'm going to go further. I believe he's going to take us all the way back to Genesis. I believe he's going to take us back to the Garden of Eden. In fact, if you really study the Garden of Eden, and then study the New Jerusalem in Revelation and compare many things, you'll see that many things in the garden were a model of what's in heaven that God has been you know, establishing and, and enlarging the New Jerusalem for all these generations. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. That word mansions means rooms. In my Father's house are many rooms the size of mansions. For not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. It has always been God's will for him to be where you are and for you to be where he is. Remember the Bible said he came down into the garden. He left his habitation and would come down in the cool of the day in the garden and walk with man. Then we see him saying that he's going to take us up to be with him and live with us and live with him in his house. Why? So he can walk with us. But I want to say to you, remember how Jesus told his disciples? They said, teach us to pray. And that's when he taught them the Lord's Prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Watch this part. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's his will to walk with us in heaven, it's his will for him to walk with us here on this earth. But more than that, more than taking us full circle to the garden of him walking with us, covering us in the glory of God, which is, to me, enough in itself. Genesis 126 said, man hadn't, listen, hmm, this is going to hit some people. Our biggest struggle that we have right now is identity. Every time you turn around, people are talking about what they identify as. Well, there was no mistake who Adam and Eve identified themselves as. Adam clearly knew he was a man. Eve clearly knew she was a woman. They both clearly knew who they were to each other and who they were to God. Now, they messed up in sin, but there was no mistaking the dominion that that God had given them. Genesis 126, let me just read it. Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps from the earth. That's Genesis 126. Listen to verse 27. Excuse me. So God created man 
in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it. There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. I don't have time on this episode. We're, we're about, about to wind this thing down. I'll talk a little bit more about this in, in uh, coming episodes. But you got to understand something. You were created in the image of God. You, the very first man, represented God. He was an ambassador of God. He represented the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. So I believe he's taking us full circle to what I would call the Adam mantle. There's a mantle coming on the remnant that's probably the, the Adam mantle, meaning it is going to be a level of glory that creates an environment for us to walk with God in a way that we have not walked with God in our existence. And we're going to hear from God. But more than that, it is a resurgence of an identity of who we are in God. Notice it said he made them male and female and called them Adam. This is not the pronoun pronoun that you hear now, they and them, referring to one individual. This word, them, is referring to an actual man and an actual woman, two separate people. And that's the way, quite frankly, the word them and they has existed most of the entirety of the history of hum- humanity. They meant means plural people, not plural personalities with inside of you or plural demons inside of you. It means plural people. But then he said, when he made male and female and created them, he blessed them, he favored them, he spoke to them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. I believe we're going to see a small remnant have an incredible success in multiplication. And I believe we're going to see a power and a dominion. See, one of the things that's going to have to happen in order for you to walk in your dominion is you're going to have to go full circle and understand this is, a, this, is a, this is a strong principle. Freedom, listen to me, get this in your spirit. Freedom has never been granted to the oppressed voluntarily by the oppressor. It must always be demanded and taken from the oppressor by the oppressed. Did you get that? In other words, no one that has control over you that is empowered by his control over you is ever going to give that control over voluntarily. Well, we have a world now and a world system that has found out real quickly how quick they can control you. I'm not calling for physical violence. I'm not calling for nothing like that. But I am calling for some spiritual warriors to rise up militantly, spiritually, mentally, militarily, I should say, and pray like never before. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What's this? Listen to it again. The violent take it by force. Be fruitful and multiply. That's first. Before you do anything, be fruitful and multiply. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the same command that was given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. Go duplicate yourself. Go tell people about what happened in this garden who I am, duplicate yourself. 
fruitful and multiply. Feel the earth. Feel the earth. Okay? That's exactly what happened. Feel the earth. So a lot of work had to be done. A lot of families, but feel the earth. And then what it says is this, subdue it. Subdue it. Do you understand? You don't subdue something that you already possess. You go get it. You go take it. The Bible says that the thief be found, he must restore sevenfold. I think there's a lot of people watching this broadcast, listening to this podcast, that has had a lot of stuff taken from them. Not just their freedom during the last two and a half years, three years, where whenever you've been listening, wherever you actually listen to this or watch this, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of stuff's been taken from you. A lot of stuff mentally has been taken from us. A lot of power has been taken from the church. A lot of authority and dominion has been taken from the child of God, but not any longer. I believe with all my heart that God's taken us full circle. He's taken us back to the power of the early church when he put the Holy Spirit on us, and he's taken us back to the Garden of Eden. And I believe we're going to walk in the mantle of Adam, and we're going to operate in the authority of Acts chapter 2. Call me a dreamer. That's okay. Because if you call me a dreamer, yeah, I guess I'm an old man. I'm 54 years old at the time of this recording, so you can call me an old man. You know how I'm good. You know why I'm good being called a dreamer and even being called an old man? It's because Joel said when he pours out his spirit on all when God pours out his spirit on all flesh, your old men shall dream dreams. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not as old as some people. So I'm right there in the middle. I could be still one of them young men. The Bible says young men's gonna see visions. So old men's gonna dream dreams, young men's gonna see visions, sons and daughters gonna prophesy. Ladies and gentlemen, that is scripture. Now, I understand if you don't believe in the Bible and you don't, you're not a believer. I don't know how you made it this far in the podcast if you're not. But <laughs> chances are you are. You call yourself a believer. Then watch this. Then you got to believe the whole Bible. You got to believe the whole Bible. There's no scripture that tells me that the gifts of the Spirit are done away with. They're still in existence. But they're on a level that they shouldn't be. But we're about to go full circle. And we're going back to where they need to be. Full circle, baby. Be fruitful and multiply. Full circle. That's what we're going to do on this podcast. That's why we call it the big picture. Because the big picture not just allows you to see ahead, but it allows you to be reminded and mentally and spiritually look back. And then when you look back of where you came from, and then you look forward in the spirit to where you know you're going. And then you are able to evaluate yourself in the middle. You get the big picture. You get the full picture, if I might say so myself. So will you make a commitment? Will you tell the Lord, take me full circle. Take me back to some of the promises that I made years ago that I've done forgot about. See, God told me to go back and get some of my old Bibles and start opening it up and look at some of my notes in the old Bible and look at the dates and try to remember the man that I was at that time to remind me of the promises that I've let go, but also that I made him, but also the promises that he made me that I just thought was not going to happen. Some of those promises were 30 years ago plus, and I'm finally seeing them come to fruition. God is not a man that he should lie. But he'll take you full circle to remind you I was with you all along. If you had not hit the subscribe button yet, go ahead and hit it. You see up the top there, that little bell icon? That's on my screen. But you got another one that's a real one on your screen. It's the YouTube bell. Click that bell 
and enable all notifications. Give us a thumbs up. That's probably just as important as anything, if not more important. And share this. If you're listening to it on podcast, give us a five-star review. Write us a review. Either way, share this. And either way, come back next time on The Big Picture. Because I got some more stuff I'm going to share about this full circle. Just ran out of time, y'all. Don't want to keep you all night long. Full circle. Shout it. Full circle. Oh, and by the way, if you believe God's taking you full circle or you desire to be taken full circle, comment down below and let me know that. I appreciate it. Peace out. See you next time on The Big Picture.